0: nightmare but that might get an amen Amen. I knew it would Hebrews the book of Hebrews and uh, just kind of give you a heads up we're gonna probably take a little bit of a break in April we've got a lot going on in April so our study um, I may end up doing one or two more messages uh, but then we're gonna take a pause Uh, we've got several outreach opportunities with our pack-a-pew. I know Nate will be doing the message. Next Sunday, uh, Dean will be bringing the message. Uh, Just because half the church is going to be gone next week doesn't mean you can't show up. All right, Uh, I'll have the other half, Lord willing. We head out Friday. Please be in prayer for the marriage retreat. That it will be a profitable time in uh, just developing relationship. uh, Not only husband-wife, but one with another. Uh, It's just a great opportunity to kind of get beyond the Sunday morning greeting. And let's just be real, too often times that's what church is for some folks. It's just a Sunday morning greeting. Uh, But that's never what God intended for the church to be. We're to do life together. Um, And life involves every aspect. And so uh, I, I look forward to this. I look forward to our time away. So please pray for that, that it will be profitable in the Lord. Uh, We've uh, also got, of course, our other events that Nate mentioned in the announcements. We don't have an insert this week, but uh, just a lot coming up. Please pray for that. Uh, Pray for every aspect of it because when you're doing uh, one thing, it's uh, that in and of itself. Uh, When it's a big event, there's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, But when you've got four and five things going in the same month, Whew. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces. And so uh, these messages that we've been, uh, the Lord's been preparing our hearts with on Wednesday night with anxiousness, not being anxious, and, and then in our past two messages last week and this week, finding rest for your soul, these are encouraging messages because it reminds me as a pastor that unless the Lord builds the house, we who labor, labor in vain. But when God's leading and God's the one doing the orchestrating and the construction, Praise be to God. And I believe these are some God-ordained opportunities. Uh, And so it it requires church, uh, our prayerful effort. So please lift these things to the Lord in prayer. And then let's put feet to our prayers and get off our pew and go so we can pack a pew. You see what I did there? Anyway. Man, y'all are asleep today. Should have told your joke, Elijah. Well, anyway, he's... What happens when you throw a green rock into the Red Sea? You get wet. You're right, Jeremy. It gets wet. See? He understands. All right, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, last week, we, we were looking at... Uh, verses 11 through 16. We're going to expand that because we got the first point done. and uh, So we're going to read on into chapter 5, and we'll see how far we get today. If you have the Word of God in front of you, please, uh, you should find your spot there in Hebrews chapter 4. If you need a Bible, Bible there in front of you. Uh, Notice if you would, in Hebrews chapter 4, let's look in verse 11, moving forward. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. But we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he's required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who was called by God, just as Aaron was. Father, I pray that you will fill me with your spirit. I pray that you will give me clarity of thought, that which has been studied. Lord, I pray that it would be shared in your power. I pray that the listening ear would hear. I pray you would remove any distractions that... Uh, will seek to steal our attention. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would be alert and sober-minded in hearing what Your Word has to say. I pray that You open the Scriptures to teach us. And then, Lord, that this Word of Yours would find place in our heart so we might not sin against You. And Lord, give us confidence as we leave here today after studying this Word to draw nearer to you, resisting the enemy and knowing that you will draw near to us. May we go out different than how we came in, and may you receive all the glory. For we ask it in the name above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You'll recall last time we met, finding rest for your soul, we were talking about these things. And um, I think this thing's going to act up again on me, Carver. Thank you, sir. Can we, we gear it up? Anyway, last week we talked about how finding rest for your soul begins with the Word of God. And we started the book of Hebrews, and the writer of the book of Hebrews came in with the argument, if you will, to the, to the audience, to the listener, to say, look, you know, we know that in the old times you, you heard from God through the prophets. God even used angels. He used Moses. And his argument was that these things that were used were simply used to point us to the one who is greater. In these latter days, He has spoken to you through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's why as you go through the book of Hebrews, there's this argument being laid out to the reader that says Jesus is greater. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than Aaron greater than Joshua, there are these things that are are being argued. Why is he arguing that to to the audience? Because that audience that he's writing to specifically, that letter, the book of Hebrews, is going to that Jewish, predominantly Jewish audience. And they're struggling. They've heard of Jesus. Many of them have put their faith and trust in Jesus. Many of them have not. Many of them are arguing that we need to go back into Judaism, guys. We need to go back to the ritualistic practices. We need to go back to the things that our forefathers did. We need to be doing more instead of trusting in what has been done for them. So the writer is wanting to lay this case out. He's wanting them to understand. And he's given them the illustration of their forefathers, and he talked about, and you remember the context preceding chapter 4, That the Israelites got to the promised land. They had seen how God had moved in Egypt and brought the plagues. How they were led out. How they went through the Red Sea. And yet they find themselves knocking on the door of entrance into the promised land and ten of the twelve spies say, No, we can't do it. They doubted. They disbelieved God. They did not take God at His word because God had promised them He would fight for them. He would do this. It was all on Him. Think about the Abrahamic covenant. It was all on God. Guys, it's always been on God. It's not on you and it's not on me. It's on Him. And yet these people did not believe. Only two believed. And now you have the 40 years of wandering in the desert as a result of the unbelief and the disobedience. And so you see the trials and the things that they suffered as a result of disbelief. And so the writer is saying to the audience in the time period in which they received this, this Jewish audience predominantly, he's saying, Look, don't be like them. Disobedience and disbelief is what got them in this problem, got them in this situation. And yet that applies even to us today. There are many still today who sit in a church who are God's people. Who hear the Word of God many of them do fine for a while they say they believe they walk as if they believe and then cares of life choke it out the enemy plucks the seed look at the look at the when Christ talked about the soil great example that he gave to his disciples, he says, look, there's going to be multitudes that are going to come. There are going to be many that are going to hear this. There are going to be many that as the seed is sown, it's going to fall on some hard soil, and it's never going to get root. Sun's going to dry it out. It's going to die. There's many who it's going to begin to take a little bit of root, and it's going to grow, and actually it's going to look good for a while. It's going to be nice and green. But then the cares of life, the thorns are going to choke it out, and it's going to die out, and it's never going to produce fruit. there's the rocky soil there's that hard soil but then he also gives you the example of that which falls on good soil and it begins to grow and it produces much fruit guys go back and read that account if you want a biblical understanding from Christ himself about the gospel being shared And the result of it being shared and so the writer of Hebrews is making this argument Jesus is better we don't need to go back into the ritualistic things Jesus has paid it all it's paid in full it's done it's finished you can enter into rest now there's different types of rest I believe that are in play here, and we talked about this. How the word in Hebrews, and you read through chapters 1, 2, 3, leading up to 4, and you see the, the words that are used, and there's this idea of, and I think it's it's understandable in our walk and our understanding today: is this the ultimate rest comes in glory. One day. We will lay down these earthly robes and we will step into the very presence of God. And for those who know Christ as their Lord and Savior, we will be ushered into the presence of the Lord and forever we will be with Him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We will find Sabbath rest. You find Sabbath rest in Christ. But you know what? There's also rest in Him in the daily struggles. When we take him at his word and we walk by faith and by the way the just shall live by faith instead of trying to do what we do in our own strength instead of battling and struggling give it over to God and you will find rest in the journey so we look at the context here in Hebrews and We see this, and and this is where we left off last time, and he's talking about that let's be diligent to enter that rest. That implies that in our sanctification, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That means that, yes, you're saved, you're born again, you're on your way to heaven, you're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, but you know what? There's still work to be done. And that work's not to be done in your strength. It's to be done in His strength. Therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. In other words, don't look, the Old Testament is an example for us in this, and we can learn from that example of the Israelites to not be disobedient when it comes to uh, hearing and trusting the promises of God's Word. Verse 12, for the Word of God, and he brings this point up, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we talked about this, the Word of God. You want rest? We can have rest because we have the Word of God. He said, be diligent. The Word of God leaves us vulnerable. You want to know how you're doing in your walk? Don't measure yourself next to the person beside you. Don't, don't, Don't measure one to another. The Bible says we're foolish when we do that. Yet our human nature, we often do that, right? Well, at least I'm not like that guy. Oh, at least I'm not like them. No, no, that's terrible. We want to know how we're doing, let's look into the Word of God. We all fall short. Every one of us fall short. All that was in the Old Testament points to the very fact that you and I are broken. We're in a fallen state. We're in desperate need of a a savior. The law shows us we're guilty. The Word of God leaves us vulnerable. This is what we hit on last week. Now this time, this week, I'm going to pick up from here and I want to talk about not only we've seen how the Word of God gives us rest, but we can also rest because we have a great high priest. Not only should we be diligent and the Word leaves us vulnerable, we see here that a great high priest, we have a great high priest, therefore we should be determined. We should have confidence in our life. Not because of who I am. Not because of my abilities. Not because of what I can and cannot do. But because of what our great high priest has done on our behalf. My boast is in the Lord. Christ leads us vicariously And that he is the representation that we needed. You see, a priest, a high priest's job was this. The high priest's role, and we talked a little bit about this. We're going to get actually a lot more into this in the chapters ahead. For those of you who've been reading, you know this. You know this is coming. So I'm just going to kind of give us a little bit of a survey type approach to the high priest. But the high priest represented man to God. And the passages that we read this morning speak to that. And so the high priest, every year, once a year on the Day of Atonement, he would enter in with a blood sacrifice, animals in the Old Testament, you know, the animals, the the grain offerings... The agricultural offerings, the blood offerings, the blood sacrifices, there are many types of offerings that were given. And again, for the atonement of sin, on the day of atonement, the high, the, the high priest, once a year, would enter into the outer court. He would go into the holy place, and then he would go even beyond that into the holy of holies. Only the high priest was allowed into the holy of holies, and it was one time a year. And they would tie a rope onto him. And he'd have little bells on his garment. Lest he got into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, and he had not atoned for his sin, temporarily, by the way, he would have collapsed dead. And they would have had to pull him out. I don't hear that bell ringing no more. Johnny must have bit the dust. Get us another high priest! Half priest stuff on one, high priest stuff on one. <coughs> All right, here we go. Let's tie him on. Head on in there, Johnny Junior. <laughs> Once a year, he goes in. He didn't sit down. He went in. He offered and he sprinkled that that sacrifice, that blood, on the mercy seat, and he made his way out. And that was good until next year. Now, again, I told you I'm giving you a survey. It's a lot more involved in this. But that's sort of a general picture. The high priest would represent the people of Israel, God's people, and a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice would be offered on their behalf to atone, to cover their sin. When we understand what these things were for in the Old Testament. These were things that were by God's design to lay foundational understanding so that when Christ did come, there should have been understanding to who He is. And so the Hebrew writer is making this argument. He's laying out the examples of what these people were looking to in the Old Testament. And he's basically saying this, Guys, those are just shadows. Those are just types. Those are things that are pointing to the great high priest. Guess what the great high priest has done on your behalf? He's not like the priest that you knew that were appointed by God. See, they had to make sacrifice for their own sin first. before they ever went through those three layers in the tabernacle or the, uh, the temple. But the great high priest, Jesus Christ, He laid down His own life. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, Christ laying down His life at the cross of Calvary. He shed His blood for our sake. He has gone through the outer court, if you will. He's gone past that next level, the holy place, into the holy of holies. And and the writer talks about this. Notice what he says in the text. He goes on and he says... Notice if you would in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Plural. Heavens. You remember the Apostle Paul? Whether I was dead, whether I was alive, I don't know. I know I was caught up to the third heaven. Guys, the atmospheric world around you, this is heaven one. Heaven two is the outer space in its vastness. And the third place is the holy of holies. It's the abode of God. And when Christ died on the cross at Calvary for our sin, He shed His blood. He was buried. And three days later, He rose from the grave victorious over death, offering to whosoever will, let them come. He has made atonement for your sins. And He offers you grace. He offers you forgiveness. And He then exited this atmosphere. And they saw Him ascend into heaven. And He went through the first layer and then he went through the second layer of outer space. And guess what? He is in the very presence of the Father. And this is what's so awesome about this text. He's already told us he sat down. No other high priest dare sit down because the atonement was just for a year. Christ said, it is finished. He has ceased from the work that needed to be done. That's why the writer of Hebrews is just giving you the argument about the Sabbath rest. It's why he appealed to the beginning of time and creation. And he talked about creation. He talked about on the seventh day God rested. And he's telling these people, guys, stop your laboring to try and get to glory. It's done. Jesus is better. It's finished. Let me read one of uh, the quotes from, from my pastor. Y'all know who my pastor is, right? You know John MacArthur. We've heard it about a ten times. I listen to him. Okay, here we go. Here's what here's what he said. I love this, though. This is truth. This is why I love this. this is truth throughout the book of Hebrews. The high priest of Jesus Christ is the high priesthood of Jesus Christ is exalted in chapter one. He's seen as the one who has made purification of sins, verse 3. In chapter 2, he is a merciful and faithful high priest, verse 17. And in chapter 3, he is the apostle and high priest of our confession, chapter, or verse 1. Chapters 7 through 9 focus almost exclusively on Jesus' high priesthood. Here in 414, he is called a great high priest. The priests of ancient Israel were appointed by God to be mediators between himself and his people. Only the high priest could offer the highest sacrifice under the Old Covenant. And that he did only once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Yom Kippur. All the sins of the people were brought symbolically to the Holy of Holies where blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat as a sacrifice to atone for them. As no other human instrument could, he represented God before the people and the people before God. As we learn from Leviticus 16, before the high priest could even enter the Holy of Holies, much less offer a sacrifice there, he had to make an offering for himself since he, just as all those whom he represented, was a sinner. Not only that, but his time in the Holy of Holies was limited. He was allowed to stay in the presence of the Shekinah glory of God only while he was making the sacrifice. To enter the Holy of Holies, the priest had to pass through three areas in the tabernacle or the temple. He took the blood and went through the door and the outer court through another door into the holy place and then through the veil into the Holy of Holies. He did not sit down or delay. As soon as the sacrifice was made, he left and did not return for another year. Every year, year after year, another Yom Kippur was necessary between these yearly sacrifices. Every day after day, thousands of other sacrifices were made of produce and of animals. The process was never ended, never completed, because the priesthood was not perfect and the sacrifices were not perfect. Guess what? Jesus Christ is perfect. He is our great high priest. It is finished. Phillips John Phillips writes in his commentary he says the following listen to this illustration well let me precede it with a text go ahead and look back at your scriptures look back at the Word of God verse 14 seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast our confession Let us hold fast our confession. Where is your confidence for heaven? Because if it's in any other thing other than the finished work of Christ, it's not good enough. It's lacking. You say, well, uh, it's Christ plus. Mm Mm-mm. There's no Christ plus. Faith alone. In Christ alone. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Okay, Uh, we're going to take a few minutes here to talk about the peccability versus the impeccability. (laughs) Huh? Okay, just before we breach this subject, just know this has been discussed since Christ's day, and there are great godly people who argue on both sides of this. My job this morning is not to muddy the waters, it's not to, um, I want to share what God's Word has to say. And you can go home and do your own homework on this subject if you so choose. But we do need to address the subject because the subject is addressed in the text. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin." Could God sin? Could Jesus sin? Was He able to sin or was He not able to sin? Was He able not to sin or was He not able to sin? That's the better way of putting it. Let me say that again. Was He able not to sin or was He not able to sin? Huh? Peccability versus impeccability. Here's what one camp says. One camp says, Jesus had to be able to be tempted. Therefore, because if he's going to represent us, if he's going to be a high priest to us, he has to represent us. And it's not a real temptation if he wasn't able to fall to it. The other side says, no. Jesus was tempted in every way we were yet without sin scripture says that but he was not able to sin because he was God incarnate yes he's hundred percent human but he's hundred percent God peccability versus impeccability let me give you some thoughts maybe this will help clear things up a little Jesus was not tempted to show that he was able not to sin. His temptation proved that he was not able to sin. Verse 15 says that he was yet without sin. So we know we can both, peccability and impeccability, agree on this fact. Jesus did not sin. Okay, that's the most important thing. All right. So for those of you who could care less about these theological debates, just that's all you need to hear. Jesus did not sin. He was without sin. That's the most important thing. Everybody got that? We're all on the same page with that, right? Shake your heads. If you're, yes. Okay, some of you are still awake. John Phillips says, Some years ago, a friend of mine visited a South African gold mine. He was taken through the various stages whereby the gold was repeatedly refined, put into the crucible, heated into a molten state. The dross skimmed away. At last, the refiner was satisfied; the gold was pure. But there was no There, there was one more step. Before it could be stamped with the official seal, it had to go to the assayer. He too put the gold in the crucible and heated it to its melting point. My friend asked, why does he do that? Is he going to refine it further? Oh no, he was told. His crucible is not to see if it has any impurities to be removed. His crucible and his fire are to demonstrate that the gold is indeed pure. I hope you didn't miss that. The temptations of the Lord Jesus were not intended to see if He could sin. There was never any question about that. His temptations were simply to demonstrate Him sinless. To show that He was pure. The word for tempted here is parazo, parazo. As in 2.18, it means to be tried, to be tested. The same word is used in Matthew 4.1. It carries with it the idea of being pierced through. He was tested to see whether sin, as to its origin process or results, had anything in him. Sin did not attract him. Sin repelled him. Matthew 4. Let's turn over there real quick. Go to Matthew 4. This is where it starts to get good. Hang on to your seats. Matthew 4. All right. You know the story. Let's take a look. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, As it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Second temptation. an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All thing, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. You see three testings here. And these are the same three testings that Adam faced in the garden. Adam and Eve in the beginning faced the same temptations that Christ faced and the same temptations that you face. And they fall under three major headings. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We see those things in this account that Christ just faced. We all face these same temptations. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But here's what I don't want you to miss. Go over to James. Go over to James. Book of James. And look in... Let's look at verse, in chapter 1, verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do you see what James just did here, guys? He used used this analogy. He used this illustration. And it's that of conception so think with me for a second you've got the egg you've got the sperm you've got when they come together conception you didn't know you were gonna learn this today in church but this is what the Word of God says look what it says how is it that sin comes to birth you've got two components Each one is tempted, sperm, when he is drawn away by his own desires, egg. Temptation and desire coming together. Let me explain it. What is James telling you and me? The devil didn't make me do it. Flip Wilson was wrong. The devil doesn't make you do it. You know who makes you do it? You. Why? Because you're a broken human. That's not an excuse. Because we got ourselves into this. Sin originated in the heart of man. It originated in the pride of Satan. But the first Adam was tempted, and he failed. You are tempted. But you know what? If there's not a desire in your heart for that, it doesn't doesn't bother you. Some people are, and we'll just use some simplistic illustrations, some people love chocolate cake, and if you set the chocolate cake in front of them, chocolate cake! It's a hot vava chocolate cake. It's the molten vava What is it called? The lava. Yeah, I said vava. That's a that's a car. I'm not tempted by those either. <laughs> hot chocolate lava cake. <gasps> Somebody else says, Chocolate, I'm allergic. Get in the way. So the temptation's the same. But the people are different. One is enticed, drawn, it's a bait to trap them. For the other one, it does nothing for them. The first Adam fail. The second Adam, Christ Jesus, was not drawn away because His desires were pure. Yes, He's fully man. Yes, He was fully tempted. By the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. But his desire was to do the will of the Father. Therefore that was allergic. It repelled him. It didn't draw him. Why did it not draw him? Because of his impeccability. This is why he's different from the high priest who had to make atonement for his own sins first before going into the Holy of Holies. Because he was guilty as a sinner. This is why the Hebrew writer is putting this in here because God incarnate, one and two of Hebrews, God incarnate, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. He was tempted in every way that you and I are. The three major temptations that came at Adam and Eve, that come at you and me, they also came at Him. Yet without sin. Yet without sin. He wasn't drawn away and enticed because within the heart of Christ was purity. The refining of the fire wasn't to get rid of the dross. The refining of the fire for Jesus was to prove His purity. That's why He's a great high priest. That's why we should have great confidence. Because of who He is. 100% man, 100% God. He is able to represent us to God. He's also able to represent God to man. He is the bridge. Jesus was not tempted to show that he was not able to sin. His temptation proved that he was not able to sin. Millard Erickson says, We must not say that Christ was not fully human because he did not sin. Rather, we must say that our humanity is questionable because it is impure. If anything, we are not fully human, though he is again if you want to find flaw it's in us we're the broken one and yet he came to make that which is impure pure and it's in him that we find that purity it's in him that we find forgiveness of sin this is why guys and i hope you're clocking this i hope you're getting this not clocking it like yeah it is time to go i'm not that i mean are you following this are you following that Because of who Christ is, we can continue in our confession of faith. We can continue to move forward in our walk with Christ in great confidence. Not because of what I do and what I don't do, but because of what He's done. There's no need to go back to that which is lacking. There's no need to be self-reliant in your own good deeds. There's, There's no need to be religious. Rest in Christ. So I'll close with my last point. We can rest because not only do we have the Word of God, not only do we have a great high priest, but because of the throne of grace. Because of the throne of grace, we can be delivered. And God loves us victoriously. Look at the text. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God... Oops, sorry, let's go back over. Let's get back in Hebrews, Jeremy. Here we go. Hebrews... Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, why is therefore therefore? Because of who Christ is. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because our high priest has gone in and sat down at the right hand of God because it is finished. That is the reason why that, that veil is now torn. That's why we now have access to God himself in the Holy of Holies through prayer. That's why Christ represents us. By the way, the high priest no longer does a once a year. He does a daily. Satan accuses you night and day. Do you know that? The accuser sits and accuses you. Up, oh, look at that. Oh yeah, real good Christian there. Look what they just did. Look what they just did. Look what they did. He's the accuser. He's the slanderer. But you know what Christ does? He intercedes on your behalf daily. He's a great high priest. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he's required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes takes this honor to himself but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. Because of who Christ is, as a great high priest, we can be delivered. The sacrifice has been made once for all. And He's blazed a trail. Remember how we talked about this early on? You see how the the writer is building these themes and these thoughts? He's made a way. Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. But He offers. Whosoever will, let them come. His grace is sufficient. So you're struggling with finding rest? You're longing for one day to enter into the Sabbath rest? It is finished. Christ is your Sabbath rest. Just like He told the Hebrew people, you don't have to go back into those things you once walked in. Find your rest in Him. That's where your identity is. That's where you'll find wholeness. That's where you'll find healing. That's where you'll find victorious Living, Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son and that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrated His love toward us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The question is, will you insist on getting to heaven your way? Or will you simply believe God, take Him at His word, and trust and obey? That's His invitation to you. That's where you'll find victory and rest in this life on your journey, and that's where you will ultimately find victory in glory. It's in the person of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will help give understanding.